Hello and welcome to Dark Alignment Podcast. I'm Brittany. And I'm Baruka Rose. And we are a true crime astrology podcast. Yes, we are. And we are here for you. Uh, coming at you. Um, it's actually the full moon Leo right now as we're recording this. So we're kind of like amped up tonight. Oh, yeah. Um, we're going to have some fun. It's a really interesting story this evening. But thank you for all of our new people who are joining us and for those who are returning. But last time we covered the Manson family. Manson fam. And the, what is Manson girl? <laughs> <laughs> I did it short. I did a shorter version. You did. Now. I enjoyed like that entire, mm, that entire piece. It was Go, fun. <laughs> Go check that out if you have not seen that. That episode is a good time. We covered a lot of charts in that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a lot Real of fun. deep. Real deep into Manson's chart deep cuts so you can um also follow us you can follow us we're on every platform you can imagine we're on facebook we, instagram TikTok, twitter do i miss anything probably i don't know probably we're probably uh, other but we give you permission to go follow us yes we, we give you permission right now Give yourselves permission. We give you permission as well. I guess we'll let you follow us. Um, we would love that, actually. <laughs> uh, we also um, would love it if you wanted to subscribe and like and rate and review this podcast. So we have permission to do that as well. You have permission to do that. We invite you to do that. We would absolutely love that. It just helps us mm-hmm. like show up higher in the algorithm, mm-hmm. likes us more if we've got some reviews and ratings on there, especially now that you can do it on Spotify. Mm -hmm. Big game changer. Um, So please help us out. That doesn't cost you anything. It does take a couple minutes of your time. It it means the world to us Mm -hmm. just because it makes it easier for people to find us and more people can enjoy Mm -hmm. um, all of our true crime astrology Mm -hmm. good stuff that we've got to bring here. And then we also have Patreon. Patreon has been watching now for the last 13 minutes as we've gotten set up. They get behind the scenes exclusive content. They also get to watch every single episode live. Mm -hmm. So um, they do not have to wait for new episodes. They get first content. And And sometimes it's like a week or so in advance that they get the content. Depending on our schedule. Yeah. Yes. Sometimes, I mean, sometimes it's a few days. Yes, that's true. Faster. Sometimes it's like a full week. So get on there. You'll get a lot more. Yep, we got a whole bunch of bonus stuff there. We got three different tiers, so you can find all of that at darkalignmentpodcast.com. Mm-hmm. We also have merchandise. We have super cool stickers. We mm-hmm. still have dark alignment candles. Got one back here for mm-hmm. those watching on YouTube. And a you sticker there. It. Oh, yes. Um, so check that out mm-hmm. too. But I guess I can't think of any other announcements. Mm-hmm. Um, Share us with all of your friends. Yeah, tell um, somebody you like. Mm-hmm. You know, don't even have to preface what you're sending them. Just, just <laughs> send them pick, a- pick five friends right now. Hit share. Send it to them, and just don't don't even respond. Yeah, right? and just, they're like, what? N- don't don't say anything. Just an anonymous link with no warning. Just send mm-hmm. it out. Um, let everybody. That's what I do, like every day. So you do that. Yeah, you, I she do. sends me videos just- all the time. <laughs> You really do. Be like me. Be like Rick Rose and send this <laughs> podcast to someone you love. So right now. Let them know. Valentine's Day. Mm-hmm. What I know it's we're past it. Um, but it's not too late <laughs> to share um, the truest form of love, which is podcasts, uh, which is this podcast specifically. <laughs> Our podcast specifically. We are on one tonight. Um. <laughs> it's going to be good. I'm already tired. <laughs> Um, my Red Bull's about gone. Um, <laughs> I've downed... Buckle up. I've downed a scary amount of coffee today, and I'm ready to rock. So, 
This is season three, episode eight. We are covering the astrology of Juana Barraza, and she is Mexico's first female serial killer. First. So, pretty cool stuff. Um, my sources for this episode, Wikipedia, like always. Please donate if you use that site. Um, I donate every year. Make sure that I do. And I ask you guys to hold me accountable every year. It's like, it's, yeah, there's the student. <laughs> You're amazing. <laughs> I do this sometimes when you're talking and you don't notice. I notice when I like watch it back. I do. I do notice it later. So again, we have a visual component to this podcast. So if you're not on YouTube, you're probably like, what is happening? Um, but you can go find it and check it out. You can watch us on every platform mm-hmm. back to back. Just a marathon of us. If you ever do a dark moment marathon, please let us know. We love to hear about that. That would be hilarious. I love when people are like, oh, I just listened to like five episodes. I do enjoy it. I do enjoy that feedback. But Mm -hmm. is anybody having marathons? Because that's hilarious. Like, that's pretty, that's pretty amazing. Binging. Um, So Wikipedia, obviously. uh, Investigation discoveries deadly women. Absolutely love that show. And they did an episode on her, which is how I heard about her in the first place. I'd actually never heard of her. Um, this is a lesser known story, but a really cool story. And you guys are going to really enjoy it. This is going to be a very fun episode. Um, also, the Serial Killer podcast did an interview with this female author who wrote a book on Juana. And her name is Susana Vargas Cervantes. Mm. And she was amazing to hear her speak about her book. So I haven't read her book, but I mm. heard her do Q&A sessions. Uh-huh. And she has extensively studied this case enough to write a whole book about it. Like, she's an amazing resource. And actually, so I also listened to an episode of Last Podcast on the Left. They covered Mm -hmm. it. They do a phenomenal job. Absolutely love those guys. They got most of their material from the interview uh, and the book by Susana Vargas Cervantes. So what's so funny is I had already listened to her Mm -hmm. interview before I listened to the Last Podcast on the Left episode. And I was like, oh, they're referencing the lady I just heard talk. So it was cool to kind of Mm -hmm. like... We use the same information source, and I, that made me feel really cool because I respect the hell out of those guys. They are so well-researched. Um, they had an amazing dialogue around it, too. Mm-hmm. So definitely want to give them lots of shout-outs. But trigger warning. There's murder coming up, and it is sensitive because we're talking about um, elderly women are the victims here. So... Uh, grandma murders abound is what's going to happen right now. And that can be very, I mean, anytime we're on this podcast, we are dealing with death. We are dealing mm-hmm. with sensitive nature, but, but sometimes specifically elder abuse, like, yeah, yeah, that can add another layer of uh, sensitivity. So I do want to make that clear before mm-hmm. we get started, but until we get to the crime part, we're going to have a good fucking time. Like her story is crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, she did have a really terrible childhood that we'll get into, but who was she? You might be saying, I've never heard of this Juana Barraza lady. Like, what's her deal? So, infamous for being Mexico's first female serial killer. She was also a former professional wrestler. And her moniker, so like her nickname, she was dubbed La Mara Viejas. uh, (laughs) And that means little old lady killer. Whoa. So... Yeah, uh, her crimes span from they they believe they don't have mm-hmm. exact timeline, and we'll get into that later. Um, from around 1998 to 2006, she was apprehended on January 25th, 2006. So you know, not super super long time ago, and she was 48 years old at the time of her arrest. So 
She targeted elderly women, like I said. Everything in this case is really unusual. Like the circumstances, mm-hmm. um, the victimology, the offender herself, um, and like her background being a wrestler, being a professional wrestler. Like it's just so many. It's a lot. It's a lot happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and then her wrestling name was uh, the Lady of Silence or the Silent Lady. They, they, it depends oh, wow. on the. Like it can be. I've heard both interpretations. Okay. Um, but yeah, those are the things that she's known as La Mara Vieja and the Silent Lady or the Lady of Silence. So trigger warning again, her childhood is super fucked up. So I called this nightmare childhood. So we're going to look a little bit at some of her childhood and teenage life, like early years. And then Mm -hmm. we're going to take a little look at the chart. So we're going to kind of go back and forth. So rough childhood. Her mother was a teenage sex worker. She had Juana when she was 18 years old. This was already her second child. So this okay. is like a pretty bad side. This is similar to Eileen Warnos's story. It's shockingly similar, who was America's first female serial killer. We covered her on season one, episode two. Mm. So one of our earliest episodes. Wow. Um, way okay. back in the day. We didn't even have a name for this podcast when we covered Eileen Warnos, but very similar childhoods here where you have... A mother who's a teenage sex worker, very young, already, like, the Mm -hmm. daughter being the second child. This is pretty on brand here. So, already on the chart, you're seeing this show up. Really? With Chiron in the first house and, like, showing, like, that's how, like, you entered life, you know? So, like, Chiron and Venus and Pholos conjunct in the first house and Aquarius. So, uh, quintile to Mars. So, like, that, you can see that, like, Venus-Mars interaction as, like... Um, showing influence with like, uh, what did you say her mom was doing? Prostituting. Her, yeah, her mother was a um, sex, a teenage sex, sex worker. Sex, yeah, sex worker. And I don't know why I blanked on that word. And then um, there's like, there's a little, there's a bunch of little things like already that are popping up on the chart okay, with the is, moon too. This is probably gonna be on there too, but mm-hmm. she never actually knew who her father was. Um, I did hear one suspected thing that he was possibly a cop. Mm-hmm. Um, which is also like interesting because it's like a, a person, a position of authority who feels like is mm-hmm. having like a relationship with a teenage sex worker gets her pregnant. Like that, uh, that also feels, yeah. that also feels gross to me of like mm-hmm. the authority aspect of it and the youngness and knowing the career, not career. I, I don't mm-hmm. even know. I don't feel like it was by choice for her. A lot of women, that is a career. But mm-hmm. I feel like this was, like, out of necessity more so. A lot on... of parent issues. She's got moon square uh, Saturn. It gets so a lot. So that's mom and dad conflict. It gets stuff. a lot worse. I'm sure. So. <laughs> Let's go. Let's go. Okay. This is where it gets bad. So, yeah. Okay. It's, it's cool that we've kind of set up what but you're yeah. seeing mm-hmm. here. Because um, <laughs> her mother, like said... Their parents were tumultuous, but, like, her mom was an alcoholic, was extremely physically abusive, and sometimes she beat Juana so badly that she would be laying in a pool of blood by the time it was over. So she's getting beaten really badly. That's awful. Um, And to add another, that's, abuse is already a major risk factor for maladjustment, for Mm -hmm. antisocial behavior, for so many issues later in life. Abuse is one of many risk factors that usually lead up to the events that we say take place when we, when we cover um, these offenders. So very badly abused, 
Another risk factor of the family was so poor living in like extreme poverty. Juana had to rummage through local dumpsters for rotten food just to feed herself and her siblings. So really bad like young circumstances. This is not good. She was lacking all the basic necessities. Um, so her life was all about trying to survive. That is from, from the very beginning, she is relying on nobody's going to take care of me. I have to try to survive. So that is not an area that a child can really thrive in. They, they don't typically, if their basic needs aren't met, mm -hmm. they are not developing the way they're supposed to psychologically, right. emotionally, physically. There are so many issues with this. It just, it's not something that people can't overcome in their lifetime, but it just mm -hmm. makes it so fucking difficult from the very beginning. So it's like another strike against her. Um, but this was kind of helpful. Her mother did get married during her young life, like grade school age, and she was said to have a good relationship with her stepfather. So that's like a little bit of like a resiliency factor. That's kind of a helpful thing. It just didn't outweigh all the other shit that we're about to talk about. Mm -hmm. It just did not counteract the other things for the rest of her young life because she was also badly bullied by her peers. Um, and that, again, we talk about, these are very common. Mm -hmm. We talk about this in almost every episode, like these same factors uh hers is very severe though and she stopped attending school at a really young age really because of it she actually is super sad but she was completely illiterate couldn't read or write as an adult either so she was taken out of school very young lived in this abuse lived in this poverty um her mother is this abusive alcoholic and she also traded wanna to people for alcohol a lot mm. to to men so as a small child, and then it's so bad, her mother actually sold her, like permanently traded her for three beers when she was 11. That's horrible. She was sold for three beers as an 11-year-old child to a fucking creep, to an adult male alcoholic who basically turned her into a sex slave for the next five years. So it's hideous. It's um, absolutely terrible. It's fucking hideous. She does escape, though. Um, she was rescued by her uncle. And he, like, got her out of the abusive relationship. But her mother was lying to everybody about where she was and what she was doing. And mm -hmm. saying that, you know, she had run off. And kind of, like, basically blaming the child and not telling anyone what happened. When they figured out where she was and what had been happening to her. She's basically mm -hmm. just... Left out to dry at such a young age after enduring all this abuse, then, like, more abuse from this stranger. Mm -hmm. So, that's fucking terrible. We're going to kind of skip ahead to her teen life, which is really short, and then we'll look at her chart again. I'm well, kinda... I have a couple things. Right? Okay. With the elementary school not being not being able to finish, um, towards the end of the third house, we do have her south node there, and that can show, like, an absence or something not mm -hmm. happening. Um and then lots of, like, hard decisions. She's got Palace in the third house. Um, and then with the mother, like, selling her, she has the moon and Lilith conjunct in the second house in Pisces. So you see, like, the addiction energy with Pisces. You see, like, the flake, you know, kind of this, like, unstable type of energy. And then with Lilith there, it can be, like, really manipulative, trying to, like, take turn things to the mom trying to turn things to her advantage and this is the second house so this is financial finances and like a sense of worth and like what is valued 
Um, and this is earlier in life too, when like in that respect of the houses as well. Um, there's some aspects that also say the same thing, but like it's, it's, it's really heavy. Ugh. It's really sad. So like as a teenager, she's okay. So she's lived this awful life so far. Mm -hmm. She's been basically rescued from that situation. And so to support herself, Juana um, started working at a roadside stand. She was selling Jello cups, like mm. little, cu little cups of Jello. Um, she did odd jobs. She did lots of like housekeeping, house cleaning, like whatever she yeah. could do to support herself. Someone who can't wow. read or write, like think about that. Mm -hmm. You know, when you have a low amount of skills, like. It, that's that's about all you can do so she's doing a lot of labor like physical type of work mm -hmm. um but then she ends up getting married and surprise she married an abusive alcoholic oh. we see this a lot you mm -hmm. know what i mean like this is a pattern mm -hmm. um typically not always but in a lot of especially on this podcast and what we see a lot is uh, someone who has gone through a cycle of abuse and then as they leave that situation that is what that has pretty much set their foundation for how they feel relationships are going to go. It's like a self-worth issue at that point too. Um, but they tend to seek out their trauma mm -hmm. and relive it. So that's going on. Um, but one day they ended up getting into a physical altercation, her and her husband. And, um, Wanna severely beat him with a hammer. She like beat the fuck out of him. So we have some obvious aggressive uh, mm -hmm. behavior going on. And then later in her teen years, she became pregnant mm -hmm. with her first child. So she ended up, we're going to talk a lot about her being a mother later. Like she ended up having, mm -hmm. in total, was a mother of four. Wow. Um, But her first son, this is such a tragic like trauma thing. And uh, she actually, he was killed right in front of her. He was only 12 years old. Mm -hmm. And they lived in a rough part of town. And he died during a mugging in the streets. Like he was beaten to death with a baseball bat. That's so. horrific. If anything makes you feel more connected to the, you know, to death. Yeah. It's, it's watching your child die or yeah. having a child die. Yeah. So like. Super, super sad there. Mm -hmm. And being a mother ended up being extremely important to her. So we will, like, cover specifically stuff about mm -hmm. her being a mom later. Um, but I just, that was part of her, like, younger life mm -hmm. was having that child and then having that experience and watching them die. Um, and then, again, death is a big theme in her mm -hmm. life. So mm -hmm. we're going to talk more about, I guess, unless you have anything else on that, we'll move into the next little mm -hmm. piece. Well, she does have a couple of squares off of her Jupiter, which is one place that you would kind of look in regards to children. Okay. Um, she's got it in the ninth house, so you do see like her. It's like a, she has has it in a good place for having kids, um, and it's really close to her North Node. And anyway, it's in a good place for having kids, but there are like difficult aspects off of it. So like I could see how like she would have them, but then like something like there'd be a lot of issues. Okay. Um, there's a there's a big. Um, Grand Cross with um, Ceres retrograde, Palace, and her Ascendant. So as you see it, like, work itself out. Like, there's caring, but there's also a lot of hard decisions. And it's one of these things where she feels like she's... Uh, I have this in my notes later on, but, like, this this Jupiter issue she has. Like, it's, it's going to make her feel like the way she approaches life is just, like, 
she no matter what she does, like that thing is gonna go her way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and we see that a little bit. She feels like the universe is working against her, probably yeah. in a lot of ways. So um, I have a little section about kind of spiritual stuff for her. So no, oh. sometimes we see some spiritual stuff. I um, have some notes on that too. Do you really? Actually, I yeah, kinda, usually I don't, but this time I was like, yeah. uh, <laughs> I thought for whatever reason I felt like I was supposed to include this That's as its own thing. That's wow. fun. I love when we this we just do. happens. This yeah, is, that happens a lot. Yay, yay! This is what our podcast does. Uh, <laughs> so I have called this section "Religious Rebel." So she apparently worshipped an off limits saint that was banned by the catholic church so it's oh kind of God. like a taboo interesting thing to talk about um it speaks to her rebellious spirit is why i really felt like including it mm-hmm. why i felt like it mattered or was relevant in the story so it's like worshiping this illegal saint uh called la santa muerte the holy death the spirit looks like a skeleton mm-hmm. um it's like a skeleton in this like elegant gown um sometimes it's white like a bride and sometimes it's like a black dress i like looked at both so i saw i wanted to see what it looked like um there's i think i've heard a little bit about yeah mm-hmm. and she's not like uncommon there's different altars to her all through mexico city it's where the story the entire story mm-hmm. takes place in mexico city um, but usually only in really poor neighborhoods, which I, that's interesting. It's an interesting mm-hmm. piece. But Juana had her own altar to La Santa Muerte. She also had a Buddha, a serpent, an apple, mm-hmm. dollars, and a glass of water on this altar. So she was like a very spiritual person right. just in general. That and makes like, sense why. We both picked up on that. She also had the saint of Narco. Mm-hmm. This ended up being controversial with her case later because it's the symbol of like trafficking, like drug oh. trafficking and criminals and stuff. So it was looked at at one point, like mm. throughout the trial and stuff, as evidence that mm. she was the killer. Like it's just interesting that this was tied in to the entire yeah, thing that they tied this like spirituality stuff. But because of this, mm-hmm. um, Authorities speculated she might be involved in a drug ring. Like, they thought maybe mm, she's doing because this. Because she has one thing, right? Yeah. So, it was just ended up opening a whole can of worms, all based on this altar in her house. So, it's like a bunch of bullshit. But it's like, I just, for whatever reason, felt like maybe we should talk about it or look at it on the chart. We haven't even gotten into a wrestling. Well, I already wrote anything, about it on the chart. So, we're good. <laughs> it's just neat that, like, that mm-hmm. matched. I didn't expect that, but, like. I'm For not, whatever reason, I was pulled to talk about it. <laughs> so she has some really spiritual placements. She has um, the North Node conjunct Neptune, conjunct Jupiter in the ninth house. Um, so that's and it's um, on the cusp of Libra and Scorpio. So like already, you're looking into the unseen. You're looking into like the occult stuff. You're looking into I love all this, this. unseen. No stuff. wonder I was pulled to um, like, and, talk about that. Right, and so I was like, oh, this is really intense for her. Like I have to talk about this. And she, um, <laughs> she's going to feel like she's, she already has this conflict on her ascendant and like on a couple other little like asteroids on her chart. Like it's going to feel like this like nagging conflict. So she's going to feel really compelled to like work on that probably, especially with it being conjunct her North Node and Midheaven. I think I forgot to say that. Um, it's towards the end of her ninth house. So it's like also right next to her Mid- Midheaven. Um, really and cool. so it's going to feel kind of like how on the last episode I said it, it's like, uh, it was like mansion's, mansion's mission, like the uh-huh. way this was like laying out, it was, it's kind of similar to that because she's got the midheaven, the North node, um, Jupiter, like all this stuff just pulling her to this part of her chart. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and then Neptune there, like it's all connected to spirituality and like other realms and dreams and intuition and um, your perspective on the world. Like I, I think she was really seeking mm-hmm. um, something more. And she did it in an alternative way for, I think, a few reasons on the chart. Like you, for one, all these squares, like it's, it's, she's not going to be doing things. It's not going to be a harmonious path necessarily for her to be, um, leaning into this part of her chart. So it, it will look a little different probably. Um, or she would have, um, like, well, or she would have, uh, just like a really, like tragic story and then did something traditional religiously but there's some other stuff like her aquarius placements she's got Mm -hmm. aquarius um intercepted on her chart so and leo um but it makes it where you kind of seek out that aquarius energy where you're kind of seeking out like it's an alternative innovative form of of something and that's where she's been doing her healing with chiron there and venus there that's what she finds of value is that like uh people with venus and aquarius like they really value things that are kind of different and and like that's where my Venus is (laughs) can relate um yeah there's a lot of things on her chart here that you really see um her being pulled to this and Sagittarius um which is which rules the ninth house so that's why I'm talking about these two areas and Sagittarius she has uh, Mars and Saturn so you see her being really like compelled towards uh like really motivated towards this kind of energy and then also Saturn, like having it become her foundation for life. So I think there's a lot there. I probably wrote something else as I actually write, go through my notes. And I bit, but... love it when you just kind of. <laughs> it too, it's but great. passion about spirituality, religion, adventure, travel, also like athleticism. She might be like strong oh, and here we go and physical and aggressive. Well, I, there's more, but she's yes. a fucking wrestler. So, <laughs> she's oh, right, she, she was a wrestler. Yeah, that's why I'm like literally she I was. Forgot. strong and like her physique it like was a big part of the case Uh like her physical build was i have mars in like the same spot as her really yeah but it's not anyway it's different but yeah um and it's in her 10th house so with with Mm -hmm. mars i'm saying i was gonna i wrote in my notes (laughs) that um with mars in the midheaven uh in sagittarius like a really physical career like a physical job like Mm -hmm. something that was aggressive and motivating and something that had uh, a lot of physicality to it um she would be successful in and she would be known for that so she and she was and so she was and she was also known for these crimes being yep these are actually the two (laughs) things that i have the most about Mm. the heaviest is her career and her crimes wow so i love that well it reflects on the chart that's i love this a lot of her past stuff shows up there's a lot of um this the spiritual side which i usually don't get into um like we were talking about um but yeah, we'll have to get it back. Uh, she's also probably known for like sexuality and stuff, like a lot of taboo things. But um, yeah, I'll get into more of that later. I'm going to hear the rest. Okay. Yeah, this part <laughs> is a lot of fun because this is called the silent lady, lady of silence. We're going to talk about her wrestling career. This section is just interesting. Um, so her costume. We have to talk about her costume. I'm like kind of obsessed. Uh, it sort of looks like the pink Power Ranger which I love. Um, it's like a, it's like a crazy like butterfly looking silver face max with this like pink bodysuit. Look it up. Yeah, we'll post pictures of I it. See. 
online. So make sure you follow us on social media if you don't already so that you can uh, always see our pictures. We have we try to have a good time on our stories. Oh, yeah, it's fun. We, we try to be fun. I gave you permission already to go. That's right. Go follow, so you should probably take advantage of that take, before I take it back. Oh, mm, it's you better a, hurry. It's an LTO. It's a limited time <laughs> offer. <laughs> but yeah, it's a crazy looking outfit. There it is. Oh, it is. It's a pink Power Ranger, right? With a butterfly face. With a butterfly face. It's literally the pink Power Ranger, but you can also see her build in this. Mm-hmm. Um, so she was really, really tall. She was extremely athletic looking. She was like bodybuilder. So she was not like this, like a real, like little tiny lady by any means. Um, so she, the in, in Mexico, this type of fighting is called Lucha Libre. Mm, and her yeah. character is what is known as a Ruta. And this is how we would like, you know, in America, we have like wrestling. You have a villain. You always mm-hmm. have a villain. You always have a bad guy. The Ruta is the bad guy. Okay. So that is, she would say that she was Ruta to the core. So she was like, <laughs> that was her. And the reason she wanted to be the silent lady or lady of silence is because she um, identifies as an introvert, which I see that for her. Oh, she does yeah. feel very introverted, but this is like, she's physically aggressive. Like mm-hmm. phys- she has a physical outlet. Um, but the style of wrestling, the Ruta style, didn't really follow the rules. So they did some unorthodox types of fighting, like kind of like what we would say, like hit and blow the belt a little bit, like kind of less, mm. uh, it was more wild. It was more like okay. like wild aggression. So she liked that type of fighting, not a whole lot of rules. Um, and her official wrestling name, I'm going to say it in Spanish, so La Dama del Silencio. Mm-hmm. So, La Dama, Lady of Silence. Mm-hmm. Um, I do like the name. Yeah, I know. It's I pretty like good. It's pretty good. It doesn't really go with her costume, though. Her costume is like right, a pink butterfly. That's the confusing part, but I, yeah. I like the name. Like yeah. the name. <laughs> it doesn't match the costume. I'll take it. I feel like Lady of Silence, it would be like a like a light blue, like an icy. I don't know why I feel iciness. She should have hired me as her costume designer. I know I was fresh out of high school doesn't matter <laughs> i uh could have really helped um i was only it fresh out of great. that was only the time she was like arrested i was probably i was probably in middle school during the time of her like height of her wrestling career i still feel like i would have had the best ideas anyway you would have been good i would have been great mm-hmm. she missed out on my hot skills so at the time <laughs> There was a lot of other violent crime going on in Mexico City. So when, like, the killings were going mm-hmm. on that were attributed to Juana, um, there was a lot happening. And most of the victims were women. And that is kind of universal. Usually with, with these crimes, I feel like that's why more females are interested in true crimes. We mm-hmm. are more likely to be victims. So we're more tuned in. we we more interested in hearing these stories. are more drawn to it, I think, mm-hmm. for that reason. Um, But it is suspected that there were at least two other serial killers actively committing murders at this time. But Mexico really didn't approach the the serial killer concept like the way we do in America and the Mm -hmm. way we always have in America and some other countries. Um, They didn't set up task forces usually. They didn't really like link crimes together. They weren't really approaching solving cases that way. They just weren't really looking at it like that. Um, that being said, last podcast on the left goes into amazing detail about this, but there's a strong chance that Juana only committed a small number of the crimes she was accused of. So, hmm. 
She also lived in one of the poorest areas of Mexico City. So it's mm-hmm. very rough. A lot of crime where she specifically was. Gotcha. But she did have her own house. Like, she was, like, mm-hmm. providing for herself and for her kids. Like, she... Um, Lived a pretty tough life. She started wrestling at a young age. She had a passion for it. She always loved Lucha Libre. Like, she, like, thought it was cool and, like, wanted to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, she started pretty young. I think she was around 18. I found, like, discrepancies oh, wow. on yeah. this of, like, what age she started doing it. But as you can imagine, engaging in a sport like this meant she had a super muscular build. She, like, we talked about it. Looked at pictures. She is very strong. Um, and she loved that feeling. After all the abuse that she suffered in childhood, it's a way to escape that. It's a way to avoid that fear. It's a way to, like, mm-hmm. combat these feelings of, like, a fear of being dominated. Because that was not mm-hmm. a threat to her. Uh, it feels like a really healthy outlet for everything that she went through. This seems mm-hmm. like best case scenario, right? Like, yeah, we hear so many fucked up stories. Seems like a best case scenario. She's- for lack of a better word, she's a trooper. Yeah. You know, like, she really wanted to push through. She wanted to, like, make something of her life. And I think you see that a lot with how, like, she has a lot of Capricorn energy on her chart. Like, she still wanted to, like, build something. Yeah. Yeah. But, here we go. This is where things kind of fucking go wrong. And we'll probably see all of this on the chart when we, like, dive yeah. in. But she suffered a spinal injury when she was around oh, the age of no. 35 this completely destroyed her wrestling career. Obviously, she can't be in the ring all the time. Like, mm-hmm. she was still trying to do things. But, like, major injury like that, you are... That's a serious injury. That's mm-hmm. not one you want to fuck with, you know? So, this was a catalyst, basically, for criminality. Because she had lost her coping skill. She lost her outlet. And she lost income. So, this was a huge hit for her. Um, she lost her passion. This is also like she was fucking mm-hmm. passionate about this. She absolutely loved this. So it was devastating. I can't um, imagine if I wasn't allowed to do my sport that I love. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like I'm performing on Saturday and I right. can't wait. Like if I if I could never do and that again. And if that was what also was your way of life. Which like, it what, is. What, I mean like it, But not my form of income. But right. It's, but it's like it's a passion. It's something mm-hmm. that helps me cope. It's like a coping yeah. skill. So a lot of this like. If it were also my mm-hmm. income, fuck. Like, yeah. you know, that's a huge hit for somebody to take. And now she has all this extra aggression and nowhere to put it. Mm-hmm. So we're going to talk about kind of a turning point where she started turning like this aggression towards innocent people. Okay. But it took police over two years to figure out Juana was even their suspect. So they did officially for the first time. This is what made her serial killer. Branded as the term serial killer because they established a task force to catch wow. um, the little old lady killer that they dubbed the moniker. You know, that's who, that's who they were looking for. So they she's the first killer in Mexican history to be profiled, given a nickname, and be sentenced and tried for their crimes. So she's like... Breaking barriers a little bit? I don't know. It's a... Mm-hmm. Um, but because the initial profile of the killer, like, they were looking for a male offender. Mm. They did not think a woman could commit these crimes. They just didn't think a woman was capable of this. So the media was reporting that a cross-dresser was actually the culprit. And a lot of trans sex workers oh, no. were wrongly arrested around this time as a result. So... The killer was not identified. And they're already demonized. Right. And so, like... Right. 
But the killer was just not identified as or suspected to be a woman in the media until after she was arrested. And I mentioned this, like she was 48 at the time they took her into custody. And the big the big thing about it was like her build is she has very it short hair. Yeah. She is very tall. She is extremely mm -hmm. muscular. Even eyewitnesses didn't believe that that was a female wow. because of the size, because of the build. It, it just, it looked like a cross-dresser. Like, so no one was... And they also, at the time, didn't think a female could overpower their victims like this. Mm -hmm. But all her victims were over the age of 60. She's significantly stronger than them. And she's picking on the weak. Mm -hmm. so the, you, this is not... Right. It's it, very capable. She's very capable. It's not like they're 20-year-old men that are the victims. Uh -huh. You know what I mean? So I feel like it, it was because the manner of death was strangulation for the victims. That they were like, oh, a female mm -hmm. isn't strong enough to strangle somebody. But this is... A female wrestler who is trained, like, Absolutely so. can. She absolutely can. So, yeah. So, there's her career. The next section is her crime. So, I don't know if you want to touch on anything. If you want me to just keep going. Mm. And then we can just dialogue mm. it out. But. Yeah, I'll let you keep going. I okay. had some thoughts about there. I and if there's them. anything you super. Yeah, interrupt me at any time if you like. No, if it, it wasn't anything major. So. Okay. It might come back around with this. Just little, little things. Okay. Little tiny things. So now we're going to get into her crimes, and there are several conflicting accounts of, like, when she committed her first murder. This is, again, that timeline I said earlier. It was 1998 to 2006. Like, mm -hmm. the timeline is sketch because she only ever admitted to one murder. Okay. Um, but she was linked to several, and then she was tried for, like, four times that many. But not convicted. It's a whole thing. Anyway, we're going to get into it. We're going to get there step by step. So... <laughs> She was very smart in the way she committed her crimes. She was careful not to leave evidence. Um, like, that's that's part of strangulation. That's why a lot of serial killers say that that was their form. Because there's, you know, with a gun, you have, you're leaving ballistic mm -hmm. evidence behind. With stabbing, like, that's mm -hmm. DNA evidence. That's risk of cutting yourself. That's, that's blood on you. That's trace evidence. Um, like this is a very clean way if this is what you're doing, like this yeah. is a clean way to do it as far as an evidentiary, you know, from that perspective. So, um, the police did obtain fingerprints from the crime scenes though. So they did have something, um, they expected the offender to be like really difficult to catch too. Like they mm -hmm. knew they were dealing with a smart offender. So that made it hard again Witnesses told police that the offender was a woman, but they were like, no, how is a woman going to do that? They just, like, did not believe like, it. No way. Just, just totally dismiss it. Yes. Um, and then, like, they did have her fingerprint sample. So even though they were arresting mm -hmm. the trans community at this time, like, they were mistakenly. Fingerprints they were Yes, and releasing them. <gasps> so luckily they weren't able to just put this on somebody, mm -hmm. an innocent person who was just trying to get by. Like, it just, ugh. So, that was good, but fuck, still. Um, how she was caught. She was actually caught red-handed, fleeing a home after she strangled an 82-year-old woman with a stethoscope. This was the crime she confessed to, the only one she confessed to. Wow. Um, and all of these crimes were committed during the daytime, which was another thing. It, it's... It's very strange. It's very strange. Hmm. So, total number here. 
She was sentenced for 16 of these cases, but she was suspected of 49 murders. So that's uh, quite a big difference. Uh, her wrestling background really helped sensationalize the story, of course, and her being a female. So when you consider the victimology, we can see Juana is asserting power and control and dominance over her victims, who are essentially helpless, much weaker than her. She knows she can dominate them. The risk level mm -hmm. is really low for her. Yeah. The risk of her ever being overpowered, which she was her entire childhood mm -hmm. like she has no risk of that going in here so she's mm -hmm. feeling very strong very empowered very confident mm -hmm. going in to these situations she isn't attacking like i said males who would resemble her abuser mm -hmm. she's targeting women who symbolize her mother yeah. so the person who made all of this abuse possible wow. when she traded juana mm -hmm. for alcohol so like i said method of killing was strangulation so she is literally watching the life leave the body of her victims. Like, that's like looking somebody in the face. Like, that is so personal. That is so mm -hmm. close. Um, and it takes several minutes. It's not quick. It's not easy, even for an older person. Like, anybody who is losing oxygen is going to fight. It's an instinct. You're not just going. It's not right. a calm. Mm -hmm. But she knew she could overpower them. Right. Like, this wasn't. This wasn't anything um, new to her, uh, but like as far as being dominant, being in the wrestling ring, being the villain, like this is very routine almost. Not the killing aspect, but just the aggression. Mm -hmm. So it's like she's killing her mother over and over and over and over yeah. every time. And we've seen that kind of pattern before. Yep. Yeah. Um, who comes to mind first? Ed Kemper. <laughs> so she also used, she didn't just use her hands. For strangulation, she also used items around the home, like um, the ties on a robe. Okay. Pantyhose, and then, of course, the stethoscope, like we just said, right. phone cords, anything like that, whatever she could find, strangle and suffocate her victims. Uh, and police also suspected that Juana used wrestling tactics to subdue her victims. So mm. this hasn't been proven. This is just speculation from authorities. But we do know that all of her victims were attacked in their homes and all of them lived alone and all of them were females over the age of 60. So we have very, very clear victimology here. They were all, this is wild. They were also all registered to some form of like a social aid program for the elderly. So one theory is that somehow Juana got a list of these women uh, enrolled in the programs mm -hmm. and that she was kind of disguising herself as somebody who worked for these agencies to gain access to the homes, to gain trust of the victims, disguising herself as like a nurse, very predatory, earning their trust, getting in their mm -hmm. home and attacking them. But the guys on Last Podcast on the Left had such a fucking brilliant point. This woman's illiterate. Oh, right. If she gets a list, but then they're out of the counter argument to that is mm -hmm. anybody can recognize numbers and match yeah. them to something. And you know street names after you've lived in a place for a long like time. You may recognize some things. Patterns of letters. Even if mm -hmm. you, like, surely you know the names of the streets around right. you, even if you can't read them. Yeah. Like, it, so it's possible. That's mm -hmm. a possibility. But damn, that illiterate... I, I totally forgot. Like, right. Isn't that wild? The mm. other um, 
Another theory of how she chose her victims. These are, again, she's only admitted to the crime she got caught for. So mm. she's not like openly giving us information yeah. on how she did this. This is all putting the pieces together. But another one was that she um, was kind of stalking victims a little bit. Like mm. seeing old women, kind of getting to know what's going on. Sometimes like she would go to a door and like ask them for water once she knew they were an elderly person who lived alone. Like seeking out those vulnerable people. Either way, it's mm -hmm. predatory. Yeah. But it's just one of them is more calculated, like going down a list. Right. Um, than the other. And it makes sense because she would have a reason to be there mm -hmm. and a reason to be trusted. But if she was comfortable just asking for a glass of water too. Yeah. And it feels like she could, she just did whatever she was going to do. Yeah. Like she's lived her whole life yeah. having to kind of like Survival. do whatever she had to do. Like really yeah. just like by the seat of your pants, like which I actually put in my notes. So, <laughs> um, like you're not really necessarily leaning on like, oh, I need something to be routine. Like you're able to just keep going, do whatever you got yeah. to do. Yeah, you can you handle, do. if something falls apart, like you're not looking for a pattern necessarily. I think yeah. she just kind of did whatever she was going to do. Survival was something she was really good at and had to learn to be mm -hmm. good at. She learned, she, there's no food on the table. Cool, I'll go find some in this dumpster. Even as a small mm -hmm. child, like having, knowing I need to survive. Mm-hmm. At any cost, I don't care if I have to get out of the dumpster. I don't care if I have to kill old women and rob them. Like, this mm -hmm. is where we're going with this. So Making it work? Yeah. So she was actually, as she's doing this, not only is she getting her aggressive fix, she is also getting her financial fix by robbing them, taking little things. She also took trophies. She took little mm -hmm. things like ornaments mm -hmm. and, like, religious stuff, which, again, ties into... The kind of <laughs> religious shit we touched on a minute ago. But these crimes were absolutely committed out of rage. I saw mm -hmm. a lot of um, crime scene photos. I've seen what these victims, the state they were in. This was brutal. Like, it broke my heart. It's really sad to see, um, especially, like, elderly mm -hmm. women. Like, my grandmother is my favorite person in the entire fucking universe. So, it just, it does hurt my heart. Like, it was hard to see. But at the same time, I, I need to understand, mm -hmm. like, the undertones of what happened here. Like, this was a very brutal attack. Very, very brutal attacks. Very, very sad. So, Mexico City prosecutors said the fingerprint evidence linked Juana to at least 10 murders. So, they do have evidence. They okay. tried her. She was convicted of 16. Mm -hmm. Um... But 10 were definitively, like, linked Absolutely to her through evidence. Her. So we know at least 10 of these almost 50 murders that she mm -hmm. was, they were, you know, attributing mm -hmm. to her. Like, she did do that many. She is That's, a serial killer. Yeah. Um, her sentence. This is crazy. She was sentenced to 759 years in prison. And again, that body count is between 42 and 48 elderly mm. women. Wow. So that's her kind of work and her crimes. The last two areas we have to talk about are her being a mother and her life in prison. Oh, right. So uh, we can save that for a minute and just touch on. Let's get into the chart because I've, I've said some random things on the chart, but I'm sure you guys are, are just aching yes. to know. Aching. I'm <laughs> fucking aching. I'm agonizing. I am in. Pain. I couldn't think of the right word, so I said aching. Aching makes me happy. But that I think it came right out word. well. You're aching. aching and breaking. Your hearts are aching and breaking. All right, so Juana B. Juana. Juana B. I was earlier, I was saying Juana B. Aquila. 
Um, Patreon! You got the, you. That's what. Yeah. Okay. <sighs> I'm doing the like, the like, bi girl, like, like joking gesture. So if you guys can't see. Um, Wait, what's a bi girl? Bisexual. Like, pan girl. Like, oh. like LGBTQ. Oh, I thought you meant like BYE, like, bi girl. Oh, that bi- was a thing that I didn't sorry. know about. No, I'm just, I'm sorry. No. Okay. I know all about pansexuality. Uh-huh. <laughs> You should. Um, I okay. should. That's how I identify. <laughs> okay, anyway. All right. Um, Juana B. was born December 27th, 1957 at 8.30 a.m. Mm. in Hill, a- Hildago, Mexico. And this is like um, an even more specific. Well, I'm not sure how it breaks city, down. city, state, country. Right. So, but it's not exactly the same. So when I when I was like looking oh. into it, it was it was it was more. I had a hard. I had to, I had to do pull coordinates. Okay. You should have asked um, Miguel. It's fine. Was totally helped. It's really just with my program too, like what how I have to enter it. So interesting. Um, and the crimes were in Mexico City. So um, we do have a birth time, which is Yay! great. Um, so that makes puts her as a that puts her as a Capricorn um, with a Capricorn rising and a Pisces moon. Oh wow! So that's a lot of conflict already right yes. there. Like when you see um, like that much Capricorn energy, which has a hard time with a lot of emotions because it's more of a rigid um, type of energy. Mixed with this ever flowing, mm-hmm. boundless Pisces mm-hmm. stuff, like it's very, it's gonna be a lot to process, and I think already we can see that and how, how her life and how she approached life. Like part of her was obviously very upset, and then very in her feelings, but then another part of her was like very structured, like hey, we're making this work, we're making mm-hmm. stuff work, we're we're gonna keep going, we're gonna keep persevering. Um, she does not come off as emotional. It's very introspective. It's right. Very internalized. And I think Lady that's the silent part. Oh my mm-hmm. God. Yeah. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I think it's, it's all just so internalized and introvert makes a lot of sense for these kind of placements. Um, we don't really see too much extroversion. The only thing I would see is, uh, that Mark's placement. Um, but, and we do see that come through in like her career and her being known for show person. She's a show pony, showmanship on the stage. Like she lights mm -hmm. up in the ring. Interesting. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Like you see that come through in her physicality and even with like the the murders, like that's how you, how she gets, um, what she gets known for. And that's the, that's the thing that like stands out the most. She does have some placements in Leo, but they are intercepted. Um, in the seventh house, and so that's already kind of like your shadow side, and they're intercepted, and they're all retrograde. Um, so it's like, it's like she's kind of got it there, but like, like you said, it's not, it only comes out in like certain ways. Mm -hmm. Like, it's not like she's always coming off with this Leo energy, it's just, it's kind of more subdued. It feels situational. One of those placements is Uranus, and so it's, it's, it's kind of, it's like you don't know what's gonna, it's a little unpredictable, a little bit chaotic, a little bit internalized chaos okay um and it'll show up more in like her relationships with where with her reflection of herself being the shadow so you see it more in like partnerships and relationships Mm -hmm. um and you do see a lot of chaos in that and it's directly opposite her venus and chiron and pholis conjunct in the first house in aquarius 
which is also intercepted. So it's a lot of this like relationship value issues and trauma and healing and um, it's it's a lot of stress. So <clears throat> let's let's get into the breakdown a little bit. Um, her Capricorn ascendant. It's right at the end of the Capricorn. It's actually the same place as Charles Manson's McMidheaven placement. How okay. we were talking about how it's mm-hmm. kind of um, it's on it's in Capricorn, and, but it's got a lot of this Aquarius influence because the placements in the house are in Aquarius. And you know what? And Aquarius it, it and it holds the entire sign of Aquarius on her chart. You probably have this in your notes, but the similarity between the two of them where he's the first coal and she's yeah. the first female series. Yep. That's mid-heaven shit That's again. something I was thinking about. That's, so with her mid-heaven, wow. yeah, I'll get to it in a minute. That's, a, uh-huh. that's just crazy that they both have that. And it's a lot of, of that same like Capricorn, Aquarius, Scorpio stuff. But mm-hmm. she, uh, it, it's obviously like uh, the accumulation of like other things as well. But um, yeah, wow. it's a lot of those, that similarity with them for that's sure. That's so interesting to be I did, that I did first and like establishing, <laughs> establishing those first uh-huh. task force and like, <laughs> oh my God, that's really Isn't it crazy? the same type of energy. Mm-hmm. Very different stories, but like yeah. the firsts and the establishment right. of something and like, yes, wow. <laughs> so, and, you know, Capricorn Ascendant really can do that as well. Um, but for her to also be known more for the scorpionic side with the 10th house, which is really fascinating to see how it's like flipped for mm-hmm. them. Um, so her Capricorn ascendant, again, your ascendant is like yourself, your identity, your consciousness, your being, your ego, your, um, it's, it's like your kind of like how you appear to people. Um, it's like karmic. It shows how you came into this world and how you continue to approach your life. Um, so you see a lot of things come up in the first house. Um, you're also I wanted to look at her first house for her like what she's known for, like her names. Like her names are based on her like accomplishments, right? Uh-huh. Like I think that's really interesting. The lady of Silence and yeah. then the mm-hmm. little old lady killer. Like she mm-hmm. has lady in both of them. She's a lady, <laughs> is what she is. She's alive. So Capricorn. Ascendants are seen as serious, focused, um, more timid as children. I think she was kind of forced to. Uh, yeah. Um, a, it shows that you could, you overcame a lot of difficulties in your life and that made you very self-aware. Um, it can come off to other people more negative. I think that that's why she probably felt more comfortable being the um, villain in the yeah. In the wrestling matches, I think that that was, like, more what she's used to, like, already. People thinking negative of her, like, her coming off maybe even arrogant, like. And she's rooted to the core. Mm-hmm. Like, she, like <laughs> owning that identity uh-huh. and taking it on and being like, this is part of my being. I own mm-hmm. this role. It's almost like if she owns it, like, it doesn't have power over her. Absolutely. Like, she's the one taking control. Mm-hmm. So Capricorn. Like, I'm controlling mm-hmm. this narrative. I'm in charge. Yep. And that's also her sun placement um, mm-hmm. and Mercury. So, like, those are in her uh, 12th house. Oh, wow. And <laughs> having it in the place it is, it also quintiles her moon. So it does feel very much like I'm going to come up with a creative solution to this feeling. And I'm going to 
kind of like monet like monetize establish something off of it like i'm gonna go as the i'm gonna become the villain and do something like yep. um i'm gonna own that villain I status think, i'm gonna take it on i'm gonna embody uh-huh. it i'm going to live it in the ring i'm going to use it to my advantage mm-hmm. like because it's very much who she is like when you when you look at like the sun being there as well like mm-hmm. and her mind is there with with mercury like this is very she does really uh, identify that way. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so, you know, she might see other people as like too emotional. So I think there's a lot of this conflict within herself. <laughs> Having that Pisces mm-hmm. moon, that's so hard. And so you see, you're already think, seeing the, your perspective is like other people are too emotional. Other people just don't, you know, whatever. Um, it feels like she sees that but as, like, rejecting it in yeah. herself a bit. Um, and we see that with some squares on her chart. Um, following that up. She also may see other people as too dependent. Um, um, not independent enough. Uh, like they've been over-nurtured or they're just too... They've been baby. Too soft. They've been yeah. coddled. Mm-hmm. They have been fucking coddled. Or she had to really work for everything. So uh, like, Anybody who didn't see... have a nightmare childhood, probably coddled. Like, that was probably her perspective. Like, they're which... whiny. They're they're just, you know, they're not they're not doing something. They need to be Honestly, taking responsibility. They're seen as responsible with Capricorn Risings. Like, seriously, going through what she went through, I can see her being, like, major eye roll at people complaining <laughs> about their petty fucking problems. Like, well, my mom sold me for three beers, motherfucker. Mm-hmm. Like, I can see her having, like, a no-nonsense. And abused for your entire life. So, yeah. Yeah. Try, try that, Susan. Or, like, who the fuck ever. You know, <laughs> Becky. Like, Becky. Like, that's um, what it sounds like yeah. to me. Absolutely. She was probably really irritated mm-hmm. hearing other people complain about what she, in comparison to her, absolutely, most yeah. things would be petty in comparison because mm-hmm. her childhood was horrific Mm -hmm. um but she's almost it's like minimizing other people's feelings because she's and in turn her own as well yeah absolutely i mean she definitely suffered from that same yes mindset herself um but you're so focused on you know you're achieving your goals and planning and working towards those goals and like um it's it's kind of an all work no play type of attitude Mm -hmm. like especially as like people get older um quietly ambitious you're wanting to climb the ladder of success one rung at a time quietly. you're really yeah i know i had that quietly note. that's one of my old notes that's not even from writing about this i copied and pasted that off of my old notes from a similar placement and it's so funny and it just fit yeah quietly uh, <laughs> silently if you mm-hmm. will <laughs> you may have um yeah there's this this idea of willpower behind this type of placement absolutely very strong and with and with the way her, where her Mars is, also a lot of firepower behind her. Like she's got a lot of energy, a lot of a lot of willpower, a lot of energy. Mm-hmm. Um, your sole purpose with this type of rising um, is a lot about responsibility and, and creating structure for for yourself or for something you want to make, create, uh, st- getting established in the world, yeah. uh, like really well established, uh, becoming known, becoming all of that. Um, <sighs> something, but no, not known for just nothing. Known for something you worked for. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you see that with everything she's done. <laughs> she um, does have a very Capricorn worth e- work mm-hmm. ethic. No matter what, like uh-huh. it was. I mean, it was very like 
having to survive in mm-hmm. a lot of cases, but she worked her ass off none the mm-hmm. same. Like she found a way to make it work. Mm-hmm. And it was like quiet, quiet and diligent and kept, you kept, her, she kept going through, like working through it. Like with other killers, we see some of them approach it, diff, approach what they do differently. They approach it like differently. Like some of them were writing funny notes. Some of them were writing, you know, like they were really just, she Call wasn't going to attention to it, talking to the place. She actually has not really uh, done interviews either. Mm-hmm. I've seen some. Of course, they're in Spanish, so I don't know what mm-hmm. she's saying. But like you get a feel. Not a lot of dramatization off of her. Like she, she's like quiet, focused, mm-hmm. doing what she's going to do. Mm-hmm. Um, you see a lot with that Capricorn approach to life. Yes. Mm. Um, so... <sighs> there are squares from this placement uh, from her ascendant to Jupiter and Pallas. I mentioned that a little bit earlier. It may feel like she just, like the way she approaches life um, just is not right. It's just going to feel like something is always, there's always some kind of conflict. There's always yeah. some kind of struggle. Like nothing can just be easy. That kind of inner feeling like, is it really going to feel like she always just has to work for It does seem that way for everything. her from the very mm-hmm. beginning. And that is a bummer. Struggle for opportunities, conflict with the universe as mm-hmm. a whole. And I I kind of see why whenever you feel like downtrodden like that, you do also want to connect with um, like deities that understand that experience. <sighs> That's why she likes those darker energies mm-hmm. and like... Like you don't want to, you don't want to like be asking for help from the guy that like had it easy. Like the God that had it easy and never had to work for anything. Like you want to... <laughs> right and she also has a lot of scorpio energy in her so i think the darker themes also and death. like the occult things yeah, um and, yeah, and having a child die you're already going to feel like different about death so you know everyone grieves differently so it's hard for me to say anything like too specific on that but i think Jeez. a lot of these themes tie together to her really being attracted to the darker stuff she's and, can, and relating an to it easier. Yeah, yeah she's seen mm-hmm. an experience looking the... for that deep healing looking mm-hmm. for that deep darker um energy to work through yeah she's experienced some dark shit mm-hmm. so she's not afraid of it she's yeah. not like, like how people who haven't experienced dark shit would look at it and think oh that's weird oh that's but scary yeah for her it's like a healing mm-hmm. i feel understood yes type of space that makes Absolutely. so much sense for her wow mm-hmm. okay and also with Capricorn being in the, or her son in Capricorn being in the 12th house, you do see a lot of this more, um, oh, now that I, now that we've been talking about her, I see these notes. I'm like, oh, this does make sense. Like, now that I'm <laughs> I was, didn't make sense earlier. I, I was like, that. I don't know why. Okay. Anyway, I don't know how this is going to come through, but this is what I'm writing. This is what it is. And this is a story you definitely didn't know about. Oh, I knew This is a story nothing. I didn't know about mm-hmm. um, until I was like binging Deadly Women on Investigation Discovery, which I, I love it. that show a lot and highly recommend it. <laughs> if you are a true crime fan and you uh, mm-hmm. have not discovered that show yet, like, it's a fucking good time. Anyway, it's a fucking good time. It is. They name it very cleverly. They mm-hmm. have, they categorize three women killers that are similar and put them all in one episode wow. and cover them back to back. So you get to hear three stories in one episode, but it's quick. So we need to get three it's of those good. similar people and compare charts. Holy shit, for Patreon? <laughs> yeah. Okay, that's what we'll be doing on Patreon. We could do her and whoever else was on this episode. I will, yeah, let's do that. If we can find birth info for them, yeah. Well, the, I, I wish I had my notebook. I forgot my notebook. <laughs> I can't write that down. Um, I'll, I'll, I'm going to um, have to count on you to remember and tell me. What's oh, the show called again? Oh, you going to text me? 
Uh, Deadly Women. Two others with Wana. Just just put that. Two others You'll know. Patreon. You'll Although, know yeah, said. it doesn't have to be a coherent text. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, um, again, Capricorn, Sun, in the 12th house. Um, this can show a lot of issues with, like, self-worth and show, like, because my son mm-hmm. has Capricorn and Sun in the 12th house. And he's oh, also a Capricorn rising. So I've, is... I've looked at this kind of thing before. Oh, and I love that child so much. I he know. does have a lot of that. Like, he doesn't like people be the boss. And he wants to be in charge of stuff. And uh-huh. I feel like Juana, like, has that too. I want to be in charge of stuff. Yeah, he, he <laughs> wants to be in charge of stuff. And also, like, he has a lot of, like, self-esteem issues already. Like, and she, you see that with her too. Yeah. Like, it's kind of just, they're more, it's, it's they're a lot more... Um, Susceptible? Yes. Uh, to I felt like that was the word. That was the word. <laughs> I could see it on your face. <laughs> that was the word. I couldn't get it there. Yes. Uh, thank you. <laughs> so they're a lot more susceptible to self-worth issues uh, when your son is in the 12th house. And also Capricorn is ruled by Saturn. It's already kind of like harsh. It's a harsher um, energy to embody um, as, as you're being in this life. So I think um, that mixture can be really challenging already. And you do see that theme show up in her life over and over of like issues with her, um, not being able to like shine in the sunlight. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. she's got to be dealing with all this stuff. She's got to be treated like she's worthless. All of that. Um, I try to keep that in mind when I talk to my son, though. I'm, like, Aww. very care. Like, I try to be very extra No, you do a nice. great job. He's so sweet. I don't want him to feel like like that, but, you know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the, let's see. The other part with 12th house major placements, um, prison. Mm-hmm. Uh, being isolated in general. And I think we do see that more with her, again, being the silent the lady of silence Mm -hmm. um where you're you're more separated from society you're more set apart and even Um, where she physically lived she's mm -hmm. like on the outskirts of town she lived in like a poor community and kind Mm -hmm. of like this she was always kind of this isolated Mm -hmm. um even being a villain kind Mm -hmm. of isolates you socially there's Mm -hmm. so many themes of Isolation, being removed from your family as a young child mm-hmm. and cast away. You're isolated. You're a prisoner. Um, there's all these very isolating themes in her life that show up again and again. Um, whether it's like I'm physically isolated because of where mm-hmm. I live or I'm isolated from my family and those loving connections mm-hmm. or I'm isolated because I'm so introverted and like keeping mm-hmm. it to myself or I feel so different that right. that's making because all her Aquarius shit. Yeah. Like... She really likes lots of lots of isolation themes going on mm-hmm. in her life. And more on that, with Mercury being conjunct her son, it is retrograde, also in the twelfth house in Capricorn. Oh, even more. It is right there. So her words this is what I was saying. I put in my notes and I was like, why how? Um, <laughs> why how? That's what you said earlier. <laughs> yes. Actually. You said it how where. How where? <laughs> what? Um Mercury retrograde is already a little more subdued. It's more like um your thoughts and your speech are like flowing. It's almost like lyrical, in my opinion, like poetic. Like it's very you're, poetic. You're, you approach thinking 
and speaking in a different way than most people. Like you are smart, but it take might take a second and you might, cause you're thinking about it. You're processing stuff totally different. Um, having this in the 12th house though, also, I mean, this is super introvert placement because mm-hmm. you've got, you're already processing things slowly or slow, more slowly differently. Um, and also it's isolated from people. So also it's set apart. <sighs> yeah. Wow. Um, there's that. Um, <laughs> I had another thought. All these great things. I had another thought. What was it? Um, also with her not being, uh, literate. Yeah. I was wondering if that was mm-hmm. going to kind of come up with the Mercury right. stuff because she, I don't feel like she lacked intelligence. I feel like she was a very intelligent woman and had she mm-hmm. had the opportunity to go to school like normal children and like had a loving family, like I, I think she would have been able to, I don't know, do something more with right. learning, with education. Like, she she could have done that, but she didn't have that opportunity. But she had street smarts. She was not unintelligent, even right. though she was illiterate. She mm-hmm. fiz- And even the police said that. We're dealing with a very smart offender. She committed mm-hmm. her crimes in a very brilliant way. Yeah. So. It's really just the schooling. And we do mm-hmm. see the third house squared to this. It's like um, the form, the formal please. learning didn't happen, but right. she was street smart as hell, you mm-hmm. know? Right. Exactly. And I think that also shows with Palace being in the third house, like a lot of hard decisions, but also like you're not getting the formal side of it. You're getting this like Palace, like deep wisdom side, mm-hmm. like ha- having to make the hard choices. That was her, that was her form of learning. Wow. Um, Let's see what else about the sun placement. Um, 12th house also connects you more spiritually. <laughs> which is the other side, the other spiritual part I forgot to mention earlier that I wrote about. Um, shows you more connected to your intuition and spirituality. Um, also, again, you're isolated. Uh, it also shows a lot of her um, identity and so- sense of self being like more subconscious, like more than subconscious. And you can kind of see that with like people with early childhood trauma anyways uh, where they're not as like connected with their sense of self like yeah. they're, like you also see like DID and different like other like yeah. identity issues with that early trauma yeah people. there's a sense of detachment that has to mm-hmm. happen as a form of self-preservation mm-hmm. um, our our psyche will try to protect itself there's a reason like our brains never automatically want to assume the worst thing. They want to protect us the, mm-hmm. from visual things, from emotional experiences that are very difficult. And it, it is it is a coping skill. It is a defense mechanism that the body will naturally do. It's not a conscious thing of, I'm mm-hmm. going to detach from this. It becomes a survival skill, especially in extreme trauma as a child. Like mm-hmm. There's a layer of removal. Uh, and that is that is honestly what gets people through yeah. those experiences. Mm-hmm. It's, it's awful, but it's I, a coping. At the time, it's, right. it's serving a purpose at the time that it's happening. So, but it doesn't serve later in life as what sucks. It's like, yeah. Yeah. Yes. And then it's very struggling, very much a struggle. Right. When that on. becomes a default program in the body, like that is very tough to work through. But at, at one point in time, mm-hmm. it was... How you survive. Yes. It was mm-hmm. absolutely mandatory to do that, to endure mm-hmm. certain experiences. So it's it's so fascinating. Um, like the body will literally shut senses down mm-hmm. entirely if yeah. it needs to, if it feels that it needs to. 
It's it's really interesting to look into. I I watch a lot. Of I things. have I have severe reactions to being on a plane, and I've told you this before, but I lose mm-hmm. my vision. Oh wow! I lose my so I can't travel alone because my vision goes away. Mm-hmm. I'm also deaf on one side, right? So it's, so it's very, a lot. It's very unsafe mm-hmm. for me, and I have no control of it. When it's happening, I feel like mm-hmm. I'm being very calm and I'm breathing and I'm mm-hmm. really trying to stay present and trying to stay mm-hmm. conscious. And I I feel myself blacking out and losing mm-hmm. vision. And then I know people around me know I'm like freaking out. And I've had people like call the flight attendant. I've had people make phone calls and say the girls the girl next to me is freaking out. What do I do? I had mm-hmm. an old woman hold my hand once on a plane. Oh, I had a girl God. behind me like touch my shoulder. And I think I'm being calm. But it's not. But I'm having like a, a, a crazy dissociative panic wow. situation that I don't know what's happening. And my vision literally goes away. I'll have to figure out how to. It's in, like mm-hmm. I experienced this. Make that better when we go. <laughs> I experienced this still as an adult. So mm-hmm. like I know what some of these dissociative tendencies uh-huh. that go on. Like how oh. they are so weird. <laughs> The body's like, this is me. And it feels normal. Uh-huh. That's the thing. Like, this is me keeping It's how you your body is, like, taught itself to function. So. Like, I can tell I'm stressed out, but it's like, I feel like I'm doing good. Sometimes I'll be like, oh, man, I'm doing so good. And then I'm like, oh, no. There goes my vision. <laughs> like, it's it's happened several times on flights before. I really am like, I'm crushing it. I'm crushing it. And then, <laughs> and then I'm totally not crushing it. So... <laughs> I'll slap some headphones on you. Say she's taking a nap. I mean, I'm, I'm still, my eyes are open. I, I'm conscious. She, she sleeps with her eyes open. It, it, it's just, I can I know things are going on. It's weird. It's hard to explain, but it's a weird experience. Hooray. Let's well, go on a trip. Let's book a fire. I'm ready. I'm ready to figure this out. I'm ready for you to witness it and just take notes and video for Patreon. Perfect. Wow. Want to watch me black out on planes? Anyway. No, it's so dark, but I... <laughs> it's so funny. I'm okay. here for it. All right. So, um... <laughs> something that I thought real quick with her sun and moon placement, they are quintile to each other. So, I think she does find this, like, creative way to work with the energies, but it is still stressful. Um, yeah. So, it's it's interesting to see that. Um, She's a trooper once again. And that might be like more, I don't think, know if she had addiction issues, but it seems more like maybe an escapism type mm-hmm. thing, like escaping into the fantasy of the wrestling world, like the fantasy of wrestling world, like, or maybe in Is other that, areas of her life, like, because she's an, an intuition and, and like, um, using that spirituality, like again, Pisces moon is also very spiritual. Yes. So I think because she's an athlete, she's not doing addiction stuff and mm-hmm. that's what she watched. So I feel like because she's an athlete, mm-hmm. like that, like you said, she's escaping into a character. Yes. She's getting, and I'm a Pisces son. I love theater, grew up doing theater, and I had trouble mm-hmm. like knowing you where the character, yeah, I get lost in the character. Like I started theater yeah. when I was seven. Well, that's and so young too. I, yeah, that was when I joined my first uh, uh-huh. theater company. I was in the second grade. And mm. I remember just being like totally losing myself in the fantasy. Like that's a very fun outlet for Pisces Blues. Mm. <laughs> I'm going to be this thing. And she does it on a stage as uh-huh. a performer and doing physical. You like, get to take on a different identity on stage. Yeah, but she's, you get out a lot of energy. But she's still the silent lady. Mm-hmm. She's still like... 
It's it's something she had to really connect, be yeah. able to feel connected to. Even when you like choose your character in a video game, you pick one that you feel connected to most of the time. Like, oh. like a little bit. Like it's a better version. Like a idealized like an right? avatar. Yeah. yeah. Like, okay. Like it's part of me, but not you know, not it's not me. It's like it's like mm-hmm. okay, me me enhanced. It's an enhanced <laughs> version. It's part of her. I like it. Uh, express it. Expressed in this way. Um, so, Pisces moon stuff. It is in the second house conjunct Lilith. So, again, with the escapism and the spirituality and all this stuff, it's a lot of this, like, looking for empowerment. Like, how can I empower myself? How can I manipulate things into my favor? Um, that's what Lilith can likes to do. And also, especially with, like, self-worth and finances in the second house. Like, mm-hmm. what, would we, what do we find of value? What do we have? Um... All of those things, like really looking for um, empowerment in those areas of life. Um, it is a different, a difficult combination, um, but I think it, it it does help her in a way um, on her chart, but obviously not in a healthy way towards the end of, of right. it with the killings. It's <laughs> like it's good until that injury, and then like, it, and then that set the whole yeah. system. On a spiral. That was again. Like, it took away a major coping mechanism, something that was gave her the ability to keep her life straight. Like even earlier on, when she was doing physical labor. Yeah, she would just again something mm-hmm. happens, something gets in my way. I'll find a creative solution. Like mm-hmm. she was good at finding a solution, but her solution was her not... physicality was taken away. Her tenth house placement was taken away. Yeah. Um, and then what's left? Like how to. It, it's gonna it's gonna keep using that mars placement doesn't go away too like right. she also needs that physicality to come through in another way and that's i think you're right like how it ended up coming out yep um especially with like you're in a darker place and then you have all these past traumas you still have to struggle with like it shows it shows in on both ways in the chart um her pisces moon does have a semi square to Folis. Um, which will always want to take her emotions farther and farther. So it's going to keep wanting to, like, you're going to be striving to do more with how you're feeling. Um, so oh, it's, no. it's like that. It's going to feel like, like part of her doesn't want to do that. All that Capricorn energy doesn't want to do that. And then it's, it's really just this weird little cycle on the pipe between Capricorn and Pisces where like, it's so tumultuous. And one emotion she does say she, like, mm-hmm. feels o- openly, and I feel like it's the one she's the most okay with, mm-hmm. is anger. Oh, yeah, because she's okay with being public about that. Her more than 10,000. Right. So it's, um, it's interesting that, like, it's yeah. almost like all other emotions mm-hmm. are, like, weakness, yes. but anger is strong. It's like mm-hmm. that's the one that she's like, this is what I'm oh, yeah. going to lean into. Mm-hmm. And that's what's given her the best outcomes in life is using her Mars placement. Using that aggression. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it has helped her in a lot of ways. And the early life Mm -hmm. was a positive thing. Like being strong and being aggressive and being Mm -hmm. tough. Man. Hmm. Oh, yeah. (sighs) It's a lot. Um, Going up a little bit to her her first house in Aquarius, um, there is Chiron... Uh, again, her, her cusp isn't in ca- at the end of Capricorn, but her placements are in Aquarius. Um, Chiron conjunct Venus, conjunct Pholus in Aquarius, first house. First house, again, ego self. Aquarius energy is very um, 
<laughs> Very uh, interesting with Chiron there. Like it, Chiron in Aquarius shows that you had issues with like lack of being, lack of acceptance. Like you were an outsider. You were uh, too different. Mm-hmm. You were um, an outcast, basically. Uh, very, or weird, you know. Um, but it, it can make, kind of turn you into this like maverick archetype. Um, we have to like kind of overcome that and be different and all that. Uh, it, it can show you being a champion or like, um, like helpful for those who have alternative views and lives being like, uh, what's the other word I'm looking for? Um, an activist in a way, like it can be an activist for other people who have been outcasts, like, um, underprivileged, underserved, underrepresented groups, like that kind of thing. Um, it can show health issues with the knees, ankles, nerves. Spinal cord. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. Okay. I wonder when that ha- injury happened, How it, what was going on in her chart. You know? So she was 35 and she's mm-hmm. currently, I believe, 64. Mm-hmm. So it'd be kind of like midway through, like, well, because she's still alive, so it's hard to... Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's hard to know. But we do have years. We do have... I mean, I could go back and look, but yeah, it would we, take me some yeah, time. We, um, we, still have, we still have some more things to cover. I still too, have plenty so. more to do. Yep. <laughs> so the best thing you can do with this kind of placement, if you have it too, is to accept that you're different and help others to also accept that they're different. And like, you know, find your frequency, live your own unique life, and um, empower yourself in that. Um and find healing in that. It's, far, it's hard to do. It can be harder than um, just saying that, though, obviously. Uh, she also has Venus here, which makes this very heart-centered trauma. Like, this is very intense emotional stuff. Um, mm-hmm. And it's going to affect her, like, sense of worth as well. Venus shows what you um, care about, what you find of worth. It shows, like, love and all of that. So... This trauma being right on her Venus placement is very, very hard. And it's in the first house, Mm -hmm. so it's like open her shit all the time. Yeah, there's no ignoring anything in your first house ever. And you're going to almost wear that on your face. Yeah. Like it's going to be, you know, when you you see the pictures of her, she does have like like that tough. She uh, does. (laughs) She really does. Tough expression, that tough. Um, vibe on her face. I don't know Very tough that. exterior, tough mm-hmm. outer shell. Like, you can feel it. There's a wall. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a wall up. Absolutely. Yeah. And you see that on her chart. Absolutely. Wow. Um, but Venus being here can give her an objective view about relationships. Like, she's really got to kind of look at them from, like, a bigger perspective after a while. Um, it can be a little bit more idealistic. Um, but... The way that I don't think she ever got that idealistic no. relationship. Um, no, I don't know much about her relationship. She was a single mother. Mm-hmm. Like, she wasn't in. Well, and, you know, we'll talk about her being a mom here in a minute, mm-hmm. but she valued being a mother of everything else. So mm-hmm. it was more important to her. Like, that was her most important yeah. relationship was with her children. And her most important role in this life was being mm-hmm. a mother. And that is what I believe, you know, was her motivation mm-hmm. to be such a fighter. Yeah. And to do some things that were, like, you know, very, mm-hmm. very dark mm-hmm. to survive because she's a mom. I It's not just mm-hmm. her. 
you know, she, she had people who depend on her and by all accounts was an incredible mother. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess do we want to just talk about our reading mom real quick? It's a <laughs> short section, but I, I don't know. Well, I, I will, but I'm going to finish this okay. blurb. Um, also with Venus, um, being there, it can show you having like alternative types of relationships. And I think we do mm. see that with her. Like they're not like traditional relationships, um, especially with Chiron being on there. Like the way that her sits on her chart, like definitely shows like strained, like stressed, different types of relationships. And I think um, with the way her trauma plays out, like how she is very, very much so just kind of like she recircled through her tra- own trauma. Like she, it would take a lot of healing to yeah. move for that type of placement to like come out of that cycle in a, like a higher frequency in a higher way. Um, that makes sense. And she her. can, she probably feels like it's just not coming for Like it's just not going to happen for her. Like her ideal relationship, like um, she's going to feel like an outsider in terms of love and worthiness. Um, and all of this is again, made extra with Follis there. So keep that in mind. There are um, trines to Juno retrograde and Gemini. And so there was something there with like a strong, like a strong something with a marriage or a commitment um, and I think it, that did come through in the story. I wasn't sure what that was about, but it seems like that, um, her being married so young and like mm-hmm. dealing with all of that stress. Mm-hmm. Um, it is opposite Uranus in the, uh, in Leo in the seventh house showing that chaos, like I mentioned earlier and unpredictability and it being a unique situation like a different type of situation. Um, as far as her being a mother, um, I did mention her Jupiter placement, her having like children. And then, um, I like to look at, uh, Saris in cancer and she's got Saris in cancer and re- it's retrograde. Wow. Okay. Um, so she does have a very maternal placement there, but there's still stress on it. Like I was saying earlier, mm-hmm. um, and it's retrograde. So it's going to be kind of like, like a mulling different, more difficult type of, um, a different approach to that energy as well. It's going to be, take longer in life for her to experience that type of, um, comfort and foundation and love. And yeah. I think it probably was till when she had her kids, like it, it didn't happen right away. Um, she also, this is her sixth house. Um, she's got sixth house cusp and seventh house cusp in cancer. So we see like, um, this being, a lot of her day-to-day life is her being nurturing. Mm-hmm. Um, we see this with her seventh house where like, it, it really looks a lot like with this being her first placement in the seventh house, the Saris retrograde, like that was the main thing of her being in a relationship was her, these, yeah. her being a mom. Um, yeah. And everything in Cancer is, ref- is kind of reflected back against Capricorn since they're opposite on the chart. And she has a lot in Capricorn. I think you see a lot of that, like, back and forth with her. Mm-hmm. Um, it also feels like a masculine-feminine pull. Yeah, yeah. Where, like, she, she struggled between being this, like, strong, assertive person. and She's got to be mom and mother. dad, kind of. Actually, it's so funny you said that. <laughs> in, a, in an interview, she prided mm-hmm. herself on being a mom and dad. Mm-hmm. She really? blamed that. So, yeah. ooh, I got chills when yeah. you said that. Mom and dad. She said that about herself. She That's where I was going with that opposition. <laughs> she absolutely identified herself that way. Wow. Yeah. Very interesting. Wow. 
So, yeah, like the being a mom thing, most important thing mm -hmm. to her in the world, especially growing up the way she did with the parents. Mm -hmm. I mean, having an absent dad, having a mom mm -hmm. that is a, oh, God, her her mom must have been just an awful mess. It makes me wonder what her mom's childhood was like because awful. Um, but like I said, she had four kids. One of them died right in front of her after that mugging. But she fully raised her other three children. There were two boys and one girl. Um, they grew up to be well-functioning adults. Hmm. So while she was in prison, her daughter actually finished university. And Juana was really proud of this. Like, she's really proud of her kids still. Um, she says that being a mother always comes first, still does. And she is a very proud grandmother. Uh, she gets visits from Aww. her children and grandchildren. Like, she's still family, like, family big deal. So, like, even in prison. If you are in Northwest Arkansas and looking for affordably priced photography and videography services, then you should definitely reach out to Nice NWA. Yes, you should. With photo sessions starting at $100, now is a great time to update your company's headshots, get graduation photos, new family pictures, and more. Looking for video work instead? Yes, videos start at just $300 and are a great way to boost your marketing engagement online with current customers and potential new customers. It's also a great way to create highlight reels of your next event or just to tell your story in an exciting and creative way. NICE is not just locally owned and operated, but is also a certified minority and veteran-owned business that started right here in Northwest Arkansas in 2017. So go check them out on Facebook or on Instagram at NICENWA or by visiting their website at NICENWA.com. And then quickly going into her prison life. So we don't know a whole lot about her day-to-day -day. Um but, like, before the arrest, like, so, mm -hmm. like, what it was like, I mean, mostly just doing mom stuff and hustling, it sounds like. But um, she has a pretty particular schedule in prison. It's ironic as fuck, but she is the designated person who goes on walks with the elderly female inmates. Like, that's part of their exercise routine. And okay. because she's the most athletic for her age, like, she's the one who's, like, designated to be their like walking partner but these are the these were her victims like the women she's allowed and like so assigned to be with that's so weird. i feel like that's a that's really so weird bad fucking choice mm -hmm. but i don't know maybe she's dealing with healing through that I also don't all these themes with elders and mm -hmm. um like capricorn energy for oh, sure God. the elders the um they you know the uh the older ones of the family, like time, all of this is Saturn stuff. Very, it's a very matriarch type episode. Like there's a lot of, it's, it's crazy. Um, but she is the one who is solely responsible for this activity in prison. So she's overseeing all the little old ladies go on walks and I don't feel good about it. She also, other prison activities that she enjoys, she gets to cook. She likes doing that. She's known to make a mean quesadilla, and everybody is loving that, apparently. Like, they're really excited. I would be if I were in prison and, like, I got to have quesadillas. Have quesadilla? I'd oh, be yeah. like, fuck yeah. We did a video about quesadillas on mm -hmm. our Instagram and our TikTok. So, if, yeah, we... You might want a quesadilla. We yeah. like quesadillas. We support them on this podcast. Um, have one later. We encourage you. We invite you to do so. Uh, <laughs> 
But unlike a lot of other serial killers, she does not want fame. She does not want attention. Mm -hmm. She didn't want attention while she was committing these crimes like you talked about. She doesn't want any now. She doesn't like to do interviews. She doesn't like to talk about her life or her prison life. And much of that is because of fear. So because she is one of the first and only female serial killers in her country, she fears for the safety of her children and grandchildren, which again, mm. that's the most important thing in the fucking world to her. Yeah. She will do anything for these people. She will do anything to protect her family. Like that is, here she is making those types of choices to protect her family. So it's still a priority, mm -hmm. no matter what. And the stigma of her crimes already follow her children and grandchildren. And her grandkids have actually been bullied in school because of it, which mm. just like really upsets Juana. Mm -hmm. She really hated it when the media would reveal personal details about her life for this reason. So Susanna, the woman who wrote the book that I talked about earlier about her, um, she describes Juana as being like extremely tall in prison because she got to interview her. Mm -hmm. That's She's one of the she only people uh, who got to interview Juana. But she was very healthy looking with great skin, that she had dyed hair. She was well kept. She was wearing electric blue eyeliner uh, with a perfect set of teeth. And uh, Susanna said that Juana was very smiley while in prison, <laughs> like during this interview, but very soft-spoken. So we have Mercury, the retrograde mm -hmm. going on. So super soft-spoken. She smiled with her mouth and with her eyes, according to Susanna. I think Pisces moon can also be more comfortable, soft-spoken, like more often. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. But she was very expressive. Mm -hmm. Like, she was very expressive in her interviews. Um, in pictures, she does look harsh and intense, like we mm -hmm. talked about. You can tell there's a wall up and there's, like, this tough exterior. But she's very different in real life. She feels soft mm -hmm. in person, according to Susanna. Uh, and that, that Juana was very charismatic in her interviews. It's just kind of like confusing when you compare that to like how they portrayed her in the media like what she was like in real life what she is like to talk to just on average i think the world got to see that aggressive side of her in the ring they got to see that mm -hmm. aggressive side of her with her crimes but mm -hmm. like there's they were cancer. seeing the mars stuff yeah. they're not seeing yeah the cancer capricorn stuff mm -hmm. the back they're not seeing the moon stuff while yeah. she's wrestling on stage she, right. they're seeing yeah right so that's mm -hmm. that's like it that I've got, so let's just chart <laughs> the rest of this bitch. We're gonna chart this bitch mm. all over the moon. Oh man. <laughs> well, the next thing I had on here was the Mid Heaven stuff. So okay. again, seeing you're seeing more of the Mars stuff. That's what she gets to be known for: the physicality, the athleticism, um, passionate, uh, turned on by like, or turned on, turned on about like spirituality. Mm -hmm. um religion adventures long travels um all that kind of stuff um a lot of energy a lot of motivation towards career and goals um and i i feel like i mean this is this is mars in um it's right it's right past the sign that it rules it's still really strong here and sagittarius all that fire like it oh. <laughs> Um, it is a, it's a really energetic place to have. You get a lot, you have a lot of energy to run through every day <laughs> with that type of placement. Um, and how much motivation for your career. I just, oh. mm -hmm. <laughs> um, she was all about her career. Yeah. Um, but she will become known for a lot of the scorpionic side since the cusp is in Scorpio and it's 
um, right on her north node. So it's like she becomes known for what her, uh, like her life path, her destiny, like her story. Um, and she becomes known for um, things that are taboo and darker and occult, like because it can. Mm -hmm. I, they even looked into it in the trial. Mm -hmm. um, and sexuality, like you do see a lot of it as um, abuse, but you do see it come through. Um, mm -hmm. And I think a, they must have. A lot of people must have seen her as this, you know, like kind of dark, womanly taboo figure. Mm -hmm. um, well, she was kind of rejecting the conventional. Yeah, exactly. Archetype of femininity mm -hmm. so much so that no one believed mm -hmm. that she was a woman committing these crimes. Yeah, they were like she's so tall and masculine built. Like mm -hmm. it, it's. It's interesting. Like, as we've gone through this episode, we really touched on a lot of these scorpionic things that come yeah, through. Yeah, absolutely. Dust just coming right in my face. Oh, no. Like, don't do that. Get um, out of here, dust. Stop it. Stop um, it. Now. So, that and her taking action and aggression, um, being adventurous, like, her her doing all of these things. Yeah. <sighs> There is a quintile to Venus and Chiron, which this is a, this is a way for her to figure out creative solutions to her traumas and yeah. when that was taken away like it's still gonna ha manifest just in a different way in a less productive way <laughs> um in a less healthy way a more violent way she finds creative this is what i wrote she finds creative action-based solutions to help heart space and trauma issues yeah even though you oh, know yeah. it's a much more uh mm -hmm. violent and um you know mm-hmm <laughs> <sighs> I have a lot of um, stuff with this, her south node and north node. Um, I'm not sure how much I want to say past what I already have. I think we get the point. It, her chart very much um, like repeats itself, and that happens a lot when you have like really strong really intense themes. Charts. You just see it show up uh, over and over mm -hmm. in all these different ways and all these different places. It's just a very concentrated energy. Mm -hmm. If she has. Uh, and repeated themes. themes. When you have a, yeah, when you have a strong energy, you get a lot of repeated themes. Ugh, it's not like a lot of these charts are not well-rounded charts, you know? Yeah. Um, there's, there's basically like, she does have a lot more of a rudimentary past and then she's moving into this space of, um, like, you know, you're really well known and you have all of these like bigger themes of life surrounding you type of stuff. Like that's like, probably again, the easiest establishing way. Establishing shit. Mm-hmm. Establishing stuff. You're, you've got into like this. Um, you've gone from, um, this, like, oh, where was I? You've gone, yeah, you've gone from, from like, this Taurus side where the south node is, where you're, like, the basics of life, mm -hmm. and then you're going to Scorpio. Like, this is, like, um, oh my gosh. life and death and all these intensities and different, like, taboo things and, like... Well, here's where we see mm -hmm. that happen is, like, yeah. her entire young life, she's trying to find those basics. Mm -hmm. They're lacking entirely. Yeah. She's going without them. She's looking in dumpsters for mm -hmm. basics. And then once that's established, then she's able to focus on mm -hmm. all these other things she can do. Like, once right. she's got her feet underneath her, she has a home that's stable. Mm -hmm. She's got that, like, bare basics, bare bones. Yep covered <laughs> so now let's go explore mm -hmm. these other energies like, oh yeah that's so i mean i wrote a whole lot on that stuff but i i, I think we we get where we're going with this yeah um and let's see 
Um, was that part of that? Yeah. <laughs> she has Saturn Sagittarius, which uh, shows like that her structure in life is partly like spiritual with Sagittarius energy. Um, it's if it's not spiritual, it would be like you going far into something else in like like a oh, like a religious way, like like maybe you're re- religious about reading you're religious about like your studies you're religious mm, about like you okay. know you would have something that you went really really into you like did your, it religiously yeah like it became yes <laughs> got it got it um and it became that for you um and like travel is also associated with this so like her not being in the same place uh but i don't see a lot of travel in her i, I know um we keep saying that with sagittarius yeah. but i think i don't know if that was really um with kids and everything, something that she was doing, but I don't, I don't it know. It seems like she's traveling mentally. It seems like she's going on like these adventures and escaping into stuff and like looking into like religious. Like, it seems like she's kind of going on spiritual adventures mm-hmm. within herself. It also feels like introspective, like not literal travel, but traveling deep within herself mm-hmm. is what it feels like because she's so introverted. Like. I feel like she could travel the depths of her soul all fucking day with all the things she's seen and been through. And, like, this woman is, mm-hmm. she's a complex woman. Like, mm-hmm. very complex woman who has a, an extreme amount of trauma and just very tried true. to find ways to deal with it. Like, again, mm-hmm. creative ways to deal with it. And she was kind of left with, okay, well, now what? When mm-hmm. the wrestling, that that's what's so crazy is most offenders... They call it aging out of crime. This is a very common thing. The the ages that you're going to see people offending, especially a violent crime, it's going to be in their younger days. It's going to be especially most commonly males, naturally a little bit more aggressive, between about the ages of 18 to about 25, 28, like kind of the late teens, early 20s mm-hmm. is where you see because their bodies are more... It's when they feel capable. And, and also their brains aren't fully formed. The brain mm-hmm. doesn't fully form until kind of the early 20s, like um, mm-hmm. early adulthood. So you've got like this lack of impulse control when you mm-hmm. have like your prefrontal cortex still developing and solidifying. Like that's controlling your impulses. So mm-hmm. um, it's it's hard to to really do that to its full effect mm-hmm. until you get a little bit older. That's why not only does your physicality decline with age... But, like, you have more impulse control. It's a two-way thing that's mm-hmm. going on inside of the brain and in the body. So most criminals and violent offenders age out of those crimes. So that's why you don't commonly see somebody who's 35, mm-hmm. 45, robbing liquor stores, like, doing, like, violent criminal activity mm-hmm. or, or just getting started on their serial killer career. Um, for it's her, less often. Less often you see that. For sure. her to start, basically all of her 40s mm-hmm. were spent doing these crimes mm-hmm. where she really was not she wasn't like a criminal before mm-hmm. um she did get in trouble for some shoplifting and right. minor stuff but that was like survival shit mm-hmm. but she wasn't like committing violent crimes. but she still had the physicality at that age correct so she and we still, see the the emotional aspect with the trauma stuff so mm-hmm. it's very it's very interesting and very unique mm-hmm. everything about her is so complex and unique and it's like mm-hmm. she resorted to that because it was the option she was left with yes. is what it feels like. Like, mm-hmm. and obviously there were a million other options. Like, right. to a, obviously she could do something else, but it it that's how that's she, that's what it seemed like the option for her. That was 
her mm-hmm. kind of where she felt like was her best mm-hmm. way to use this energy for herself. That's what she was like. This feels like the right thing. Yeah. Take care of your mental health. Um, yeah. <laughs> very important. Yeah, absolutely. Because uh, um, she could have had just like, imagine if she hadn't gotten hurt, mm-hmm. if she would have just kept performing and been able to Or if like, she was able to like, I don't know, get to a really great therapist and work some of this. You know, like right? I just. Both. I don't know. Both. Continue <laughs> your like outlet and mm-hmm. mental health. Like support. Yeah. That would have been so good. Find some other Mars activity to do. I do, regardless of the horrible crime she obviously did commit, because we mm-hmm. have, there's evidence that she committed, she was caught red-handed mm-hmm. for at least one of these crimes. So she, she is a violent person. She did do bad things. We aren't saying, like, she's innocent right. by any means. But I do hope she's getting some mental health treatment in mm-hmm. prison to deal with just, like, that trauma of her young life. Like, mm-hmm. I, I hope, like, anyone who is incarcerated, like, all you could do is... Try to at least better. Do it can only help better. the you know society. So like yeah. it's helping you know. Well, apparently she's able to walk little ladies around mm-hmm. now. So maybe <laughs> that is only through a lot of mm-hmm. hopefully close uh, psychiatric monitoring mm-hmm. for where she's at with it, so she doesn't snap yeah, or something so. and like. Uh, I, I don't so. even know. Well, wrapping up my notes here. Um, she does have Saturn and Sagittarius, like I was saying, um, and this this can create this feeling like the structure of her life is her going, like living off of luck, like living by the seat of her pants, like just like uh, every but everything is still growing and expanding, and like her life is still getting like, you know, um, like moving forward and progressing, but she's like leaning on the universe to provide everything for her. So she relies a lot on this luck and leans on the universe to provide for her. Not that she's not working for what she's getting, but also that like she's she's banking on things working out one way or another that she'll she's going to keep working at it and something is going to come for her. Yeah. And she's you know, she's made it this far. Like she does rely <laughs> on kind of just the world around her to kind of be there for her to extra like work to get what she needs out of it. Um, like it's this weird mixture of like lucky Sagittarius, like doing whatever with like work ethic. Like, yeah. Um, Capricorn work mm-hmm. ethic. Yeah. It's, it's a, an interesting combination, but like the actual structure of her life is always kind of changing and like, she has to just rely on like she's the still just basics like going of reality. Though. Yeah. She's still going luck. on the mm-hmm. path and like, I'm build, I'm doing this. I'm you know? building it. I'm and going. How many times in her life has it been like a lot of luck? Yeah. Like, for her to make it through something. Like, she worked, but also, I think, luck made it made yeah. it happen. Um, uh, she's got Pallas and Aries, which I wanted to talk about for a minute. Um, I think I might have talked a little bit about it earlier. But um, her decision-making is kind of, it's pretty fast. It's going to be fast, and that can either come up as, like, um, short-sighted. Like, her wisdom is short-sighted. Oh. Or it can show up as just, like, super blunt, super direct, intuitive uh, decision-making and wisdom. So, I think it's a, kind of a mix of both. Like, it can lean, depending on what's happening with Palace at the time, um, it can show, like, oh, a lot of, like, rash decisions being made that are really important. Um, also, just really direct, like, knowing what, what you're going to do. It feels like every time there's some something that gets in her way, like, she does mm-hmm. have to make a quick decision mm-hmm. on, like, how do I fix it? Like, 
like she's just defaulting to it. And sometimes it's impulsive, like, oh, yes. I'll just go murder somebody and yeah. rob them. Like, like mm-hmm. you said, short-sighted, like impulsive, quick, like making a fast decision. And it feels mm-hmm. like it's out of, like, a desperate space. Yeah. Like this a survival is, The palace skill. is, you know, like, uh, wartime strategic and, like, uh, mm-hmm. it's a feminine, very, like, like uh, kind of like you're gonna plan out your entire battle scene, but like this in Aries, it's like you're the warrior in battle, making the decision yeah. on the spot. Oh my gosh, yeah. <laughs> so okay. it, it feels like that. Like some of them are just gonna be rash, rash like really fast, like decisions that aren't necessarily gonna be, uh, you know, like the best. But also like that's the best you could do at that time. And so other times you're gonna see a, the situation in front of you and be like, I know exactly what to do. Like it's mm-hmm. gonna come in really fast that way too. Yeah. Um, so Palace and Aries is a lot like that. Um, and third house, this shows like, this is like street smarts. Like this is. Right. What it made me think of is like being in war or being mm-hmm. like a police officer and like you're confronted with a situation where you have to make a decision right then. Do I shoot this mm-hmm. person or not shoot this person? Like what do I do? You right. don't have time to sit and think about it. You yeah. have to make a choice. Mm-hmm. The only difference is a police officer is trained. <laughs> right. <laughs> but like. But yes. so are soldiers. Yeah. But I'm saying but that this is not. like. Um, yeah. You know, not necessarily like all, not all warriors all throughout history were right. very well trained, but like, that's just the metaphor I use. But her, uh, her in this metaphor. situation, it feels very street smart with the third house. She lives very This warrior. is just how you kind of grew up. This is like how your um, social spheres like worked. This is a word of mouth stuff. This is gossip stuff. Like this is how you're making, like you're basing these decisions. Right. Off the of street third house smart. Stuff. Like, you don't continue to, mm-hmm. until your late 40s, like, live in a very rough neighborhood without being really street smart. Mm-hmm. Like, and knowing how to navigate that. And, like, being a warrior every single day. Yeah. Like, your son got murdered in the streets in front of you when he was 12. Yeah. Like, you're a warrior every day is a battle. Like, you yes. don't have time to think about stuff sometimes. Like, And uh, that really comes through thing. with a lot of the aggression we see. She's got a lot of these fire placements, mm-hmm. but you see them show up in very, like survival type of ways yes um i can see it like in some ways it can be really helpful but with her kind of desperate energy ends mm-hmm. up really bad where she would do things she would do absolutely anything mm-hmm. to survive including kill yeah so that's not good i mean mm. that that fighting spirit can be such a positive placement mm-hmm. if it wasn't like coming through so dark and manifesting in such a dark way oh, yeah and violent way towards other people, like innocent people. Um, it's a it's a lot. She's got a lot of comp. It's a very complex chart. A lot of things going yes. on, and a lot of repetition with the, in different ways. Uh, um, overall, yep. Uh, very interesting. Capricorn Sun, Pisces Moon, Capricorn Rising. <laughs> very very intense chart. Very intense lady. Um, so that is Juana Barraza, everybody, and hope you enjoyed that story. Hope you enjoyed learning about somebody a little bit different that we've been doing a lot of heavy hitters. We're going to be, mm-hmm. of course, doing more. We, we're going to have a really fun story for the next episode. That It's one that if you don't know it, you're going to be like, mm. how did I not know about this? So I'm, I'm pumped to, to do that next story. We'll, I'm so excited. We're going to leave it as a cliffhanger. We'll tell mm-hmm. Patreon. Uh, so again, that's a benefit of being on our Patreon mm-hmm. is you get all behind the scenes footage. We drop early news to Patreon. Mm-hmm. They get early access to every episode. They have the charts. They have they the have charts. They have the notes. Um, yep. If you like to have a visual chart in front of you, get on the Patreon. 
Yep, and then, you know, we have a lot of other perks on there, too. It's all listed out. There's three different tiers, so check that out on uh, darkalignmentpodcast.com. Also, for free, you can support us by liking, subscribing, rate, review. Reviews are so important Mm -hmm. right now, like, always, but especially, like, just helps boost the algorithm. It's so hard to find a podcast. That's how podcasts grow. That's really Mm -hmm. how people find us. That's how we can share the show again. If you did not share the show earlier with five friends, five friends, did we say five, mm-hmm. five friends, if all of you that will see this, share it with five friends, you know, it'll change our lives. It's going to change <laughs> and yours, our lives and yours. <laughs> it's, it's ridiculous. Um, screenshot it to me if you did it. Oh my God. Tell us. Tell um, us I will you sh- did it. I will shout you. I will do it. I'll do something. If you send this podcast to five friends, shout tell you us out. and we will shout you mm-hmm. out. Oh my gosh. That mm-hmm. is a good incentive. I like uh, it. Yeah. I would want to be shouted out. That's an easy way to get name <laughs> dropped on this podcast. Oh, do we have any Capricorn Patreon patrons right now? Oh God. I need, I haven't looked. I'm thinking no. Okay, probably I'm thinking not. no. Well, then we need some. So we would shout them out mm-hmm. for being a Capricorn like our killer, mm-hmm. which we don't have a lot of Capricorn killers, especially serial killers. So this is very an interesting uh, energy to come through. That's kind of unusual. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, you can follow us on social media. You can interact with us. We're on every platform. We're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. We're on TikTok. Um, personally, you can follow both of us. We'd love to engage with you guys and interact. Uh, if you have any requests for an episode, suggestions for an episode, something you want to hear, if there's a case you really want to cover, we have a running list of, um, cases. We'll never run out with the way our very ugly world never, ever. works. Um, there's so, there's more people than we could even possibly cover. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And more every day. But thank you guys so much for being here and going on this ride with us. We had a good time. We hope you did too. And um, don't forget, most importantly, to chart all the bitches in your life. And we'll see you next time. Bye.